Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman. Start of season six, this will be episode two. And and Frank Ost, our resident rock and roll expert, is here to join me. Frankie, how are you today? I'm great, and it's great to be here. Today in rock history, June 6th, 1962, after a poor performance earlier at their audition for Decca Records, producer George Martin, he of EMI Records, yep. signed the Beatles to a record deal. He has instantly said, you know, they're pretty awful. I understand why they were turned down by every record company. Isn't that incredible? Took a a chance and it paid off. I think it did. Decca Records did okay, though, for themselves, didn't they? What's John say at the end of uh, Let It Be? I hope we pass the audition. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. 1968, Senator Robert F. Kennedy died at Good Samaritan Hospital in Los Angeles. He was just 42 at the time of his death. That's right. He was shot the day before, on my birthday, 1968, Mm. late, late at night. Ed Sullivan's show aired for the final time on network television in 1971 on June 6th, and Gladys Knight was the guest star. Stevie Wonder, 1977, June 6th, showed up unannounced to lecture a class at UCLA studying the recording industry. Oh, good He would also perform a song or two. I'm sure they had a piano hanging around. You could play. Hopefully. Elton John auctioned off 20 of his automobiles in this state in 2001, saying he didn't have time to drive anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. His 93 Jag, Frankie, sold for over $330,000. That was more than 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Incredible. Remember when his mom auctioned off a bunch of his stuff, and I don't know if he knew about it or not? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. That was funny. Birthdays, Gary U.S. Bonds is 83 today. He was born in 1939. Robert England, Freddy Krueger. That's right, yes. 1947, you think he'd be born closer to Halloween. <laughs> Bjorn Borg, tennis legend, 66 years old today. He was born in 1956. Wow. Frankie, it's time for concert calendar. Elton John, remember yeah. he's coming to the Progressive Field in his never-ending farewell Yellow Brick Road <laughs> <tour>. Absolutely. <laughs> Saturday, July 30th, tickets are still available. That's a huge venue for him, but he's playing the big venues, and he's almost done. Well, he's going to be in Europe for the better part of now through early July. Then he's coming over okay. to the United States, and we'll hit Cleveland at the end of July. Should be a nice night, at least. You know it's going to be warm. Well, yeah, it's going to be warm. Should be a beautiful night. But um, it, like you said, it's a big venue. I don't know whether that's someplace I'd want to see him. Yeah. He's 75 years old now, Frankie. Exactly. And we'll do uh, Elton John. We had him as our featured artist way back in season one. Uh, But when we bring back Elton John part two, which we'll be doing probably in season seven, we'll have some updated information about Elton. See what he's up to, you know, in in the future. That'd be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Other shows, Dave Matthews Band at Blossom. You made a case for them. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Friday, June the 10th. America at the Kent Stage. 20th anniversary celebration. A couple days later on... Sunday, June 12th. Nice. We're going to Al Stewart, aren't we? Absolutely. That show is going to be August 17th. It's been rescheduled. You know, he tested COVID a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. Kent Stage. Gotcha. Men at Work, MGM Center Stage, Wednesday, August 24th. Blue Oyster Cults on the 10th of September. MGM Center Stage should be a good show, don't you think? I never saw them, but I've heard they're a good live show. So I'm not sure what would be in store. I'm not sure who's left, you know, holding down the fort for them. But uh, it could be a good one. My friend George Sippel, who was uh, part of one of our most downloaded episodes, he did a couple to round out season two last year. Right. Uh, he really likes Dave Mason. And okay. Dave is a little older now, but he's really, really good in concert, and George 
is an audiophile. He's a recording engineer on the top one. Um, and he knows he's a good ear for what sounds good. He says, if you want to see me at a concert, George, look for me. I'm sitting next to the sound guy. <laughs> and if I don't like how it sounds, I'm leaving. There you go. Much to the dismay of whoever he's with. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Dave will be at Kent Stage on uh, Sunday, July the 10th. Dewey Brothers, 50th anniversary tour. That last year was put on hold because one of the crew members came down with COVID. That's right. So yes. it's actually the 51st. That's coming up on uh, July the 12th at Blossom. Yeah, that should be a real good one. Some good shows coming up this summer. Mm-hmm. Download Discovery, and I have one from 1971. That was a big favorite of mine. I dug it up on one of those Have a Nice Day, you know, Volume oh, 2 yes. or whatever. The Glass Bottle, I Ain't Got Time Anymore. It only made it to number 36 in the early fall of 71, but there are some other great tunes out then. You know, Theme from Shaft, One Fine Morning, Maggie sure. May, Uncle Albert. Got no time to stop and speak to friends passing by. Got no strength to wipe away the tears from my eyes. I don't care what's going on Only know she's gone and the sun don't shine anymore And I don't feel fine anymore Cause she ain't fine anymore No, I don't feel fine anymore I ain't got time anymore Seems to be such sadness now in each place I go other people laughing still I just wouldn't know Never stop to see who's there Once I used to care but the sun don't shine anymore Cause she ain't mine anymore And I don't The group was produced by Dickie Goodman who wrote a bunch of novelty hits like Energy Crisis 74 and Mr. Jaws <laughs> you know he'd, he'd put actual actual songs to answer some of his questions as if he was posing as a news reporter or something. I remember think that. I remember that, yes. So Dickie Goodman created the name of the group Glass Bottle in order to promote the actual glass bottle industry because all the soda bottles were going plastic, you know, the two-liter yeah, bottles sure. and whatever. So that was in the early 70s. Glass bottles, I ain't got time anymore. You might do a little digging to find it, but it's there for you if you want nice. to download it. I, I highly recommend it. I like it. Sounds a lot like David Cassidy. It could have been a Partridge Family follow-up. What you got? I think uh, mine today is Boz Gag's Loan Me a Dime. Now, Boz had played on two Steve Miller albums before getting his own deal with Atlantic Records. Boz Gag's was his debut album, and despite critical acclaim, it sold about 30,000 records and disappeared quickly. <laughs> but this track survived and became a classic partly due to the fact that Dwayne Allman is the featured lead, uh, featured lead guitarist. Yeah, that's right.
song starts with a slow keyboard piano mix that really sets the tone for the whole thing. As Duane begins to pick on the guitar at the one minute mark, you truly f- begin to feel the bluesy uh, feel of the song. And if you have the volume turned up nice and loud, you can relax and enjoy the last five minute coda <laughs> and all the sound and amazing gu- slide guitar work. The original recording was an incredible 40 minutes. Wow. Cut down to 12 and a half minutes for the album. That's more palatable. Exactly. So sit back and remember the days of phone booths at every gas station and ask somebody to loan you a dime. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, <laughs> ask and see if they have one. There's exactly. a dime shortage going on these days. Remember the phone booths? There was one on Warren Road, for those of you not familiar with Lakewood, right by where the Board of Education was. The post office was over there and sure. the grocery stores. Well, that's where I used to call anybody who I wanted to go out with, you know. Really? And that was that your was, special one. Yeah, because huh? my brother would, you know, if I was at home, pick up the phone because he knew I was going to call somebody. But that's where you could find a lot of the, the leftover stuff, the change that would drop into the... <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I found like a couple of dimes, a few quarters, you know, or nickels or something, pennies, and that would buy you whatever you wanted. Yeah, that you were a rich man. You could yeah. buy, you know, candy and uh, pop, pop and that kind of if thing. you yeah. come up with like 25 cents, two dimes and one nickel, you were in good shape. Absolutely. So loan me a dime, 12 minutes plus, cut three... Side two of the album, uh, Boss Gags, his yep. uh, what, second studio release or first or second? Like yeah, I think it was his debut on it, Atlantic. At Atlantic. Records, yeah. Muscle Shoals St- Sound Studio in Atl- Alabama is where he recorded that, the famed Muscle Shoals. Exactly. Even the Stones recorded there, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, he had the Swampers were his uh, yeah. backup band. Yep. Yeah, Swampers. Loan Me a Dime, that's Boss Gags, and I had I Ain't Got Time Anymore, Glass Bottle. Nice. This week's Download Discovery. Brand new category of ours, Frankie. Deep cuts from top albums. You'll recognize the album right away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you may or may not recognize the tunes that we're about to uh, give you. You have a good one from uh, artists that we know. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. This one's called And Your Bird Can Sing by, of course, The Beatles. From their classic Revolver. Oh, I love that album. Five-time yeah. platinum. It's, it's a great one. And hidden away on side two is this little piece of heaven. This was written when the best of all time. It goes without saying that Revolver has some incredible tracks. Lennon and McCartney were still writing together, and John said it was about 80% him, 20% Paul. What would Paul say? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> he but might agree. You know, it, they were it does pretty... sound like a Lennon song. Yeah, it does. The song is a shaded put-down whereby Lennon sings uh, to someone that has seen seven wonders but is yet unable to empathize with him and his feelings of isolation. The song may have been directed at Frank Sinatra after Lennon had read an article 
on the singer in Esquire, which said that, uh, in which Sinatra was lauded as being the fully emancipated male, the man who can have anything he wants. Well, didn't he just get married to Mia Farrow or something at the I, time? I think he did, yeah. It was just about that time. So None other than Phil Collins called it one of the best songs ever written, and it's only a minute and a half long. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, you know, how um, British call girlfriends girls, birds. You know, yeah, I wonder yeah. if that had something to do with it. At least I did when I thought when I started listening to this song. I don't know. Yeah, I that very well could it be. Might yeah. have, it might have a double meaning. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. It was released, the album Revolver. I love that album, 1966. Rubber Soul, Revolver, those were two right in the middle there. Yeah, awesome. and for me... Um, the noise about Sgt. Pepper's is fine. I like the album, but I don't like it as much as I like both the ones you just mentioned. Yeah, and who yeah. knows, a song or two still might pop up from Revolver from one of us in our Deep Cuts from Top Albums category sure. from the five-time platinum album Cut 2, Side 2 you got of it. Revolver. Want to hear a good song from Stevie Nicks from her two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stevie Nicks? Love it. The multi-platinum album Belladonna. Stop Dragging My Heart, Leather and Lace, Edge of Seventeen. Jimmy Iovine said, we got to get a hit. We don't, there are any hits on this <laughs> album. So why don't we have Tom Petty see if he would mind helping you out. And he said, I've got this song, Stop Dragging My Heart. Maybe that would work. Sure. That comes up on the album right after the song I'm going to mention, the deep cut called Kind of Woman. Stevie Nicks from Belladonna was not released, but the album was great, 1981. Belladonna started the album. That was side one, cut one. Then Kind of Woman. And then Stop Dragging My Heart right after that. Ooh, good stuff. So heartbreaker Ben Montench co-wrote it with Stevie. And Tench also worked with these acts over the years, including Tom Petty, Don Henley, Bob Dylan, Fleetwood Mac, Ringo Starr in several of his albums, and also one of today's big country stars, Chris Stapleton. Ooh. So he's done, he's done it all. Kind of Woman, nice little mid-tempo tune. It really shows off Stevie's great voice and solo artistry. Cut two on the album, and I think you're really going to like it if you haven't heard it already. The album Belladonna from 1981 and the two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Stevie Nicks with Kind of Woman. Best instrumentals, great category for us, Frankie. George Benson, for me, Breeze in 1976. Wow, you can't do much better than that. <laughs> I know.
platinum debut album by this jazz instrumentalist and vocalist. He has a great voice, too. Turn Your Love Around and Give Me the Night and whatever. Mm-hmm. This song, Breezin, was written by Bobby Womack and topped the pop and R&B charts in 1976. It was also used as a newscast opening theme at various TV stations around sure. the country. The album lost out to um, a song... You know, this album called Songs in the Key of Life. Never heard of that yes. one before. <laughs> you wonder. <laughs> However, the song This Masquerade did win a Grammy for Best Record of the Year, and Breezin sure. won a Grammy for Best Instrumental Performance, beating out Wired by Jeff Beck yep. and Stevie Wonder's Contusion, which was a former Best Instrumental of mine. You had Wired. Exactly, yeah. And Fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy. Walter Murphy, yes. Which uh, appears on Saturday Night Fever, by the way. Yeah, absolutely it. it does. So Breezin is just that. It's breezy. It's fun to listen to. A great way to begin the album. And as we used to say on Easy 104, it's music that makes you feel good. Yeah, and it's got that little flute opening. That It just sounds breezing, doesn't it? Yeah, it I mean, does. that's just a perfect uh, title for it. George Benson's one of my favorite artists. Who you have this week? Well, we've talked about a lot of um, TV themes on the show because that's what we grew up with, uh, great TV themes, and this is another one of them, the Peter Gunn theme by Henry Mancini. You got it. <laughs> now, back when I was very young, maybe three or four years old, this really is one of the very first pieces of music after nursery rhymes that I can remember. To this day, I still think it's one of the coolest songs I've ever heard. And it's been recorded by an incredibly diverse group of artists, including Ray Anthony, Sarah Vaughn, Dwayne Eddy, Diodato, Art of Noise, Aretha Franklin, the Blues Brothers, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. One more thing. The piano player on the original recording was 26-year-old John Williams. Yes, the John Williams from Star Wars. Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park. You're talking about two of the best movie soundtrack, TV soundtrack guys of all time. And you can tell kind of maybe where he learned his craft. Yep. <laughs> Want to hear a funny story about Henry Mancini? No, yes. The Grammy's first awards show was 1959. Mm-hmm. Funny thing, it's also it's aired on NBC, then for a couple of years on ABC, now since 1973 on CBS. So except for Fox, it's been on all of them. Right. Isn't that funny? So Henry Mancini won so many Grammy Awards, he won like 20 of them, sure. and was racking up like Stevie Wonder would year after year in the early years of the Grammys, but they didn't have the little, um, you know... Um, Phonographs? Phonograph yeah. to give out. So they just asked Henry to pull them all off his wall or his uh, mantle or something and bring him into the show. <laughs> and re-give it to him? And just, yeah. <laughs> Hand them out to the artists so they'd have enough because oh they didn't have God. enough of the statue. They didn't have enough of the trophy things, you know. Good grief. And then what? he'd bring them home at the end of the night along with whatever he's won. Yeah, talk about different times. Yeah. Boy, if that doesn't tell you, they're right there. So the Grammys. The Grammys <laughs> at first were created by Blake Edwards, who was married to Julie Andrews for exactly, a lot of years, yeah. 1969 until his death in 2010, producing 10, Bo Derek and Jul- uh, Victor Victoria, Julie Andrews and directed most of the Pink Panther movies of the 60s. That's right, yes. So Henry Mancini again, you know. Yeah, with the uh, Pink Panther theme. That's right. Four Academy Awards, Henry Mancini, one Golden Globe, and 20 Grammys, and was nominated for 72 Grammy Awards. Good grief. Born in Cleveland. Now, I never realized that. In 1924. I'll be darned. Henry Mancini.
One in Wonder Time, Frankie. Yeah. Remember, remember Stone Bolt? No, I don't remember Stone Bolt. 1978 in the fall. It just started uh, college. And I Will Still Love You came out in the fall of 78. It hit number 29, so I guess it can be considered a hit. I considered it a hit since I have sure. it in my singles collection still. <laughs> To me, it's a hit. That's great. The band was from Vancouver, Canada. If you think about it or listen to it, it sounds a lot like a song from another Vancouver Canadian group, Skylark, oh, Wild okay. Flower. Gotcha. So, I Will Still Love You came out in the fall, 78. The follow-up song, Love Struck, only came as high as number 70 in the following winter. So, Stone Bolt was kind of a one-hit wonder, came and went. Anyway, uh, I like the song. It's yeah. Stone Bolt's I Will Still Love You. Well, if you bought the single, you had to like the song. Because, you know, back, back in the day, you know. Yeah. If you bought a single, you were in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> Spotlight year, 1978. We're running out of them. We only have a couple left. I think 79 and 82 are the only ones to go. All Bee Gees. All Bee Gees. You know? Sure. And Von Elliman and uh, Tavares, Samantha Sang. And then later on, Barry Gibb would go on to write and produce Grease, you know, the song, the big hit by Frankie Valli. So could not get away from their music. Yeah, and you'll hear that coming up just a little bit. In the bit. top albums. <laughs> top hits of the year, one of my favorites, Count on Me and Run Away, Jefferson Starship. That we're going to be featuring them in a bit. Baker Street, talk about a song you couldn't Oof. get away from. From Absolutely. Peg and Deacon Blues, Still the Same, Hollywood Nights. Don't know if that'll be one of the albums you talk about, Stranger in Town. Don't Look Back. And then Mr. Blue Sky, Sweet Talking Woman, yep. Shadow Dancing, Love is Thicker Than Water, Everlasting Love. That's the song that broke the streak of number ones for Andy Gibb. He started out with like four straight number ones. Yeah, you're right. He did. Billy Joel, My Life, Moving Out, and uh, you know a little bit of uh, Just the Way You Are. That was earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Life's Been Good. Joe Walsh, either version is fine with me. It's that's a neat little song, and it's got that thunk 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 thunk. Yep. That last part where he goes, you know, everybody's changed. I'm still the same. I'm still the I same. love that line. He's That's Joe. such a great songwriter. <laughs> Emotion, Dust in the Wind, Closer I Get to You, Magnet and Steel, We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions. Grease, You're the One That I Want, You Belong to Me. Mm-hmm. Great year of music. And, you know, those aren't really a lot of disco. I know the Bee Gees that were in there, and but those were songs that were top hits that weren't necessarily songs you could dance to at the disco club. Exactly. Well, a few of those in a little while. What do you have for top albums for me? Number five was Don't Look Back by Boston. The follow-up to their huge-selling debut album, 
it will always pale in comparison. And it didn't help that it took two years to appear, which was forever in 1978. Still, it had two top 40 hits and went seven times platinum. Not bad for any album. Not bad. If I said what's on my mind You'd turn and walk away Disappearing way back in your dreams It's so hard to be unkind So easy just to say Number four, Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. The Stones were coming off five number one albums when this one dropped, and only in their discography could this be considered a comeback. But with (laughs) Miss You, Beast of Burden, and Shattered, they were back on the singles charts and selling to a new generation of fans. Number three, 52nd Street by Billy Joel. The follow-up to his breakout, The Stranger, was another huge record for Joel, Big Shot, Honesty, and the now ubiquitous My Life were all huge hits. album of the year. I think next week I'm going to have a deep cut from that album. That's that's great because like I said you, you sure hear enough of those even to this day. Number two the Grease soundtrack John Travolta <laughs> Olivia Newton-John and various artists. Sure. Now if you've ever wondered how fair I am in putting together these lists here's your answer. This is a two record set of garbage music <laughs> for an even worse film that sold us 34-year-old Stockard Channing as a high school student. No matter, it spawned four hit singles, sold about a billion copies, and was number one for 12 weeks, and would have been number one any other year except for Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) Number one. Soundtrack, Bee Gees, and various artists. As the Woodstock soundtrack wrapped up the 60s, this soundtrack neatly encapsulated the 70s. Okay, so you didn't hang out at Studio 54, 
but even the rockiness of us, except for maybe Bob Seger, got dragged to the local disco. <laughs> Six hits came directly off this album, ten if you count the ones that had already charted. And even one of Tim's favorite instrumentals, Manhattan Skyline, yep. can be found here. The movie's okay, but the soundtrack is awesome. The soundtrack is, like I said, it pretty much, if you want to know what was happening, especially in the later 70s, that's, it's all on there. <laughs> and the disco was the place to be. What was it? For me, the mining company here down there at OU is the Mug and Margarita. That's where you danced. and Well, that's where you met girls. And so, therefore, you were there. Yeah. Whether you liked the music or, or didn't not. like it, you kind of, I, I would swallow. Swallow walk, your pride. Walk in and. <laughs> Yep. And that was my evening. <laughs> well, we've really hit a lot of disco songs. We already know in 1978, La with Chic and Dance, 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 Yowza, Yowza, Yowza. That's right. Peter Brown, Dance With Me, Last Dance, The Groove Line, I Love the Nightlife, Thank God It's Friday, you know. How about some sappy songs? Mm. Remember Bluer Than Blue, Michael yes, Johnson? Yes, I do remember that. Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Of course, yes. Once, Meat Twice, Loaf. Three Times a Lady, Radio and Jack and Jill. That's right. Short people. Randy Newman. <laughs> Love is in the air. That used to be a commercial for like a jewelry store or something. And Hey Dini, Sean Cassidy. That's right, yes. Some of the sappy songs from 1978. Well, it's funny. You mentioned uh, short people. And, you know, Randy Newman wrote a lot of hits for a lot of people. Sure he uh, did. Especially at groups like Three Dog Night. Yep. Uh, Linda Ronstadt, a, a bunch of people. And his big hit turns out to be that song, Short People, yeah. which, if you haven't heard it, is just as bad as it sounds. <laughs> All right, Frankie, Psychedelic versus Pop. This is from the week of May 10th, 1969. Number 12 that week was... Gimme, gimme, good lovin' by Crazy Elephant. Crazy Elephant was a studio concoction. Twelve was "Gimme Gimme Good Lovin'" by the Crazy Elephant, and uh, number eleven, "Mercy." Love can make you happy. Ooh, I remember that. One. Oh, I'm sure that was many a wedding song, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Wait. Pop group from Florida had this hit, peaked at number two, 
for two weeks in the spring of 69. By the way, number 10 that week was Get Back by the Beatles. The week of May 10th, 1969, it nice. debuted in the Hot 100. I'll be darned. At number 10. Wow. They were big. <laughs> they would spend five weeks at the top of the charts, Get Back Wood, in the summer of 69. I remember it well. Rock releases the week of June 6th, you know, summertime, great yeah. stuff, great time for the summer, or The Carpenters. Mm-hmm. 1975, they released Horizon, and The Cars, 1978, their debut album. What a good one that was. The Kids Are Alright by The Who, 1979. Back to the Egg, same date, June 8th, 1979. That was a good album by yeah, Wynn. Yeah, you, you just talked about the, the Rockester theme. theme. Sure. Some Girls, The Stones, 1978. Eagles, One of These Nights, 1975. Cut the Cake, Average White Band, Ooh, Main one. Course, all, all three of those, same day, 1975. Wow. Must have been fun to go to the uh, record store that week. It, yeah, and it was just after my birthday, so I wasn't able to ask for any of them. <laughs> I had to right. wait till Christmas. That's right. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac came out with their self-titled. 1975, which has a whole new Fleetwood Mac sound, didn't it? Exactly. They were, uh, to many people, and myself included at the time, they were like a new group. Yeah. And a new group, which last week we spoke of war and songs that sound unlike anything else in the chart. Here's one, My Sharona by The Knack. Oh, definitely. Luckily knocked Disco right out of the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And this song from the album Get The Knack, Get The Knack album was released in 1979. They're going to be one of our great start then dot 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 groups. Boy, they They sure did. Yeah, they sure did have a great start though. Oh, my little 
you'll do a little uh, uh-huh. background on them, won't you? As sure. the weeks go on, we'll be featuring the Knack, or Jerry Rafferty. We'll start with Don McLean. That's just a couple weeks from now. Ooh, yeah. Artists who debuted at number one or number two, the Royal Guardsman, Snoopy versus the Red Baron. <laughs> Gotta love that one. They're not one, two, three, four, five, a six-man group from Ocala, Florida. It took six guys six to make guys. that record, huh? Well, that's, that's all right. It spent four weeks at number two in early 1967. Follow-up songs like The Red Baron Returns and, of course, one of my favorites, Snoopy's Snoopy Christmas. Snoopy Christmas. Wasn't that on our top ten? It definitely was. Rocking <laughs> tunes last year. <laughs> After the turn of the century In the clear blue skies over Germany Came a roar and a thunder men have never heard Like the screaming sound of a big war bird Up in the sky, a man in a plane Baron von Richthofen was his name Eighty men tried and eighty men died Now they're buried together on the countryside And Snoopy for president in 1968. Remember when Pat Paulson was running? Sure, sure. Laughing and whatever. Yeah, that was a big thing back in the day. It was uh, finding some weird uh, character yeah, to, yeah, to, to run. run for president. Snoopy versus the Red Baron spent <laughs> all four weeks at number two behind I'm a Believer by the Monkees in January 1968. They, they couldn't knock off the Monkees. If they had, Snoopy versus the Red Baron would have been number one. Yeah. Imagine that. Was, that. Great tune, though. I mean, it was they really, played it all the time. Yep. That was a fun tune. But thank goodness for Neil Diamond writing the song that the Monkees recorded. <laughs> 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 or else this six-man band would have had like a five-week number one. Exactly. Still a cool song. Very quirky and campy, but fun. Yes. Featured artist Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, and plain old Starship, exactly. Frankie. Exactly. When the truth is found to be lies and all the joy within you dies don't you want somebody to love don't you need somebody to love wouldn't you love somebody to love you better find somebody to What did you think of the band or the bands? I really enjoyed them. Um, out of the three, I would say my favorite was was actually Jefferson Starship. Me too. I should, I should say Airplane because they were the kind of the cooler ones. But let's face it, uh, Starship had or Jefferson Starship had some really good songs and a couple of really great albums. They did, and it came out for me at a time when I was able to 
listen to songs and not just hit stuff either, but the American rock band from San Francisco, pioneers of the psychedelic rock sound, 60s, inducted in the Rock Hall in 1996. Grace couldn't attend. She had medical issues that she was dealing with. Mm-hmm. But all the original members did did attend and perform. But I like when that happens. Me too. That's great. Grammy for Lifetime Achievement six years ago, headlined the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967, played at the Isle of Wight Festival in 1968, Woodstock, August 69, and the famed Altamont Speedway free concert in late 69. <laughs> so they were all over the place, weren't they? They were at all the biggies. They hit them all. From, I wonder yeah. if there's anyone else that hit them all. We'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll report back on that one. The Dead, maybe. <laughs> Could uh, be. The, the You're room. right. Although The Dead, didn't The Dead not even play at Altamont because they said it was too dangerous and they, yeah, they showed they, up and then they left. Then they left. 1966 to 70, here's the lineup. Marty Ballin, Grace Slick, Paul Kantner, Yorma Kaukonen, mm-hmm. Jack Cassidy, Spencer Dryden. So then some, you know, Yorma was blues guitarist, lead guitarist, did a lot of vocals. Yeah, and they actually, uh, that part of the band actually turned into Hot Tuna. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So Marty Ballin kind of felt disillusioned with the drug scene and everything they were up to. And after the death of Janis Joplin, he left the band in 1971, changed his lifestyle completely, focusing on healthier eating, abstention from drugs, and he took up yoga. That's great. After that, the band kind of split into two groups, Kalkinen and, right. and Cassidy started Hot Tuna. And the remaining members of the group got some guys together, took a couple of years off. They put out an album called Bark in 1971. Marty Ballin came back again for uh, Red Octopus. And, you know, we'll talk about the Star- Jefferson Starship in a second. But 1966, Jefferson Airplane takes off. Mm-hmm. And then Surrealistic Pillow, 1967, that featured um, Somebody to Love. Didn't Grace Slick have that song in the bank? Before yes, she joined the band? Uh, in fact, she had two in the bank. Um, in her group, The Great Society, she had Somebody to Love and um, White Rabbit also. So oh, she had yeah. two sitting in the bank, yeah. and it's kind of always been thought that that's probably why they hired her for the band. <laughs> <laughs> Plus she had a great voice. Exactly. She was involved in a near-fatal car crash, Frankie, in May of 1971. She was drag racing in a tunnel near the Golden Gate Bridge. If you've oh, ever geez. been in San Fran, you, you'll know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The tunnel comes as you're heading 
out of San Francisco and over the bridge towards Sausalito. So there's a little tunnel you go through, and she was kind of drag racing with band-made Yorma Kalkinen and wrecked her car and Oops. almost died. Now, Jefferson Airplane would still perform live until late 1972, their last show taking place at the Winterland Ballroom. Oh, I didn't realize that. where Frampton put a lot of his stuff together, including Frampton Comes Alive. Mm -hmm. They had other albums. I didn't know they they came out with like a half dozen albums. After Bathing at Baxter's, Crown of Creation, Volunteers, talked about Bark, Long John Silver. Jefferson Airplane kind of reunited somewhat and all got back together. So yep. that, was, that was the airplane. Would have liked to have seen him in one of those shows, but of course I'd be a lot older now if I had. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then the Starship got together, Jefferson Starship. They took the new name in 1974, remaining members of the airplane, now including David Pryberg on vocals and rhythm guitar, Jaron Barbata on drums, Peter Sears. You know, Pete Sears joined up, as well as lead guitarist Craig Chakiso. Yeah, and he's an awesome guitarist, and if any of you might know him from his smooth jazz days also. Yeah, great guitarist. Uh, I don't know if I've featured him as a best instrumental uh, category, but I will. There's a couple of tunes oh, yeah, that you, you want to hear definitely from find some from him. Lately from Craig Chakiso. They released eight gold or platinum albums in their 10-year span from 74 to 84. Really? I didn't realize that. Dragonfly was first, then Red Octopus. Mm -hmm. That had Miracles and Play on Love. Fire had With Your Love in 1976. That's another good tune. Right. Hit number yes. three in the charts. Don't know what's happened to me since I met you. Feel like I'm falling in love since I met you. I got to know what you do.
Earth, Love Too Good, and Runaway, Count On Me, number five. Isn't that about the time you saw him? Yeah. Okay. At the World Series of Rock. Yeah. That was a never-ending day. Fleetwood Mac and Eddie <laughs> Money and those guys. Gold album, that was their compilation, 1979. Freedom at Point Zero, that's when um, Mickey Thomas joined the band because Marty Ballin, they had a feeling he was writing songs and keeping them for himself. So they were worried about that, and they kicked him out. <laughs> so Marty left the band. Uh, Grace Slick left. She would return. But uh, Mickey Thomas, you know, a, a fooled around and fell in love days. Right, Ellen Bishop. Bishop's band. Dunbar also played drums on it. He just left Journey. And Tower of Power provided the horns on the song Jane, which has a great beginning, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I love that song. 1981, Modern Times came out in April. Find Your Way Back. That's when Grace Slick returned. Mm -hmm. And I like Mickey Thomas's voice. It was a different kind of voice than Marty Ballin's. Not quite as smooth, but uh, Yeah, he could hit those high notes. He could, couldn't he? Trying to get back to us. 
Winds of Change with Be My Lady. That was, uh, you know, did okay. Number 28 on the Hot 100. Nuclear Furniture with No Way Out. Good tune. The last album with Paul Kantner. And also the last with Jefferson at the front. Peter Wolf from Jay Giles was helping out on keyboards and the synthesizer back then. I never realized that. Yeah, so that was a good album and a good song, No Way Out. Then another from Jefferson's Starship in 1995 called Deep Space Virgin Skies, a live album recorded at the House of Blues in L.A., featured White Rabbit and Somebody to Love. So that's kind of cool. Then the Starship took over. Yep, absolutely. Paul Kantner left the band, suing over the usage of the name Jefferson Airplane and Jefferson Starship, as well as money he felt he was still owed. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, a little bit out of shape. It yeah. always comes down to money. Yep. The remaining members briefly called themselves Starship Jefferson. And then, <laughs> so what are we doing? Let's just scrap that and call ourselves Starship. They eventually settled out of court, as they always do, for yep. money, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. David Freiberg started getting frustrated with the band after learning that Paul Wolf would be providing more and more keyboard work for the band. Dear so, me. Yeah. So David left the group, or was asked to leave, in 1985. That left Mickey Thomas, Grace Slick, Pete Sears, Donnie Baldwin, and Craig Chikiso. Okay. Their next album, number seven on the Billboard Top 200 chart, platinum album once again. But for the Starship, you know, uh, that was, um, we built the city, Knee Deep in Hoopla, and Sarah was good. I like Sarah. That was a big record, and boy, it was all over the place, and uh, especially the videos, you know. They, yeah. they really hit perfect time for uh, MTV. Not a big fan of We Built This City, although it was co-written by Bernie Taupin. That's true. So, No Protection peaked at number 12 in 1987. We're 12 in the States. Nothing going to stop us now. Yep. Didn't like it, but I did like who <laughs> produced it, Narada Michael Walden. He's also produced uh, work for Mariah Carey, her vision of love, 
single, and I Don't Want to Cry, and a bunch of soundtracks, too. Narada Michael Walden, not only a great solo artist, but also produced a bunch of soundtracks like Free Willy, Nine and a Half Weeks, The Bodyguard, and many, many others. So they had some real star power behind them. Yeah, definitely. Even though I don't like, I don't like that where they were going in the late 80s. It's just overplayed. It's not over till it's over, you know, produced by Those were the times. Peter Wolf yeah, all of it seemed like at that point all of our favorite bands were kind of falling apart. Yeah, Foreigner or, did the same thing. Yeah, so many of them. They were getting too sappy and like too predictable, I thought. It's not over till it's over, you know. They all sound the same to me. Produced by Peter Wolf, <laughs> Keith Olsen, who worked with Fleetwood Mac and Buckingham Nicks. He produced that album. And then Foreigner's Double Vision, so you can see, just like Foreigner, Starship was, I don't know, kind of circling the drain. Exactly. I was kind of tired of their music. Mm-hmm. Grace Slick left after the album. Yeah, then in it 19... was time. <laughs> right. Sure. Then in 1989 came uh, Love Among the Ruins. It had It's Not Enough and Wild Again. It, Wild Again was uh, on the soundtrack Cocktail, which took the... Country by Storm, remember that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Not Enough would be the last uh, of their top 10 hits. Mickey Thomas is 72, and he's still with the band, still hitting wow, the high notes. isn't that something? Only remaining member from all those years of the airplane, of the starship, of the starship. Marty Ballin passed away four years ago. Yes, he David did. Freiberg's still alive. He's 83. Grace Slick is 82. Yeah. Pete Sears just turned 74 a couple of weeks ago. Donnie Baldwin, drummer. Uh, 70s. Craig is 67. Craig Chakiso. Yorma mm-hmm. Kalkinen, 81 now. Wow. Jack Cassidy, 78. Spencer Dryden passed away in 2005. And Papa John Creech, who we didn't mention, he was an early, yeah, early, early, early member. He died in 1994. That's Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, which we can agree we both like better. Absolutely. Um, just thought that some of their stuff in you know the mid to late 70s was just top rate. It was top-notch stuff, uh, culminating with Earth, I thought. That was pretty much it for Marty Ballin. And the first couple of albums for the Starship was mm-hmm. good. You know, sure. I liked Jane. I liked Find Your Way Back. Those were some good tunes, but then they got a little bit predictable, I thought, in the end. But if you take you know, the overall catalog of the three groups, boy, you got a lot of good tunes there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's our featured artist for this week. Next week, we're going to hit ELP, Emerson, Lake, yeah. and Palmer. That's Love one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to throw Asia in there since, you know, a couple of the guys wound up in that band, especially Ab- Carl Palmer. Absolutely. Um, it's a, a perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. Greg Lake had a cup of coffee with Asia in the middle part of the 80s, so we'll talk about Asia. But first, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. That's next week. Frank, thanks for your input. Appreciate you stopping by again. Well, thanks for having me. This is Tim Friedman, your host of Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. Hope you enjoyed our show as we begin our season six. Episode three coming your way next week. We'll see you then.